0: Yesterday, I had a consult over the phone with a wonderful woman from South Carolina, uh, a federal employee who had made a comment during the uh, consultation, during the hour-long consultation, that said something to the effect of, "Well, it sounds like my word against theirs. Therefore, do I have a case?" And that comes up I, I think it's such an excellent question and I, and I told her I said you know I was thinking and I have been thinking about doing a podcast on that very issue of my word against theirs does that mean I have a case or does that mean I don't have a case uh, because a lot of people are under the um, notion that if it's just your word against theirs no matter what else is going on, you lose and you can't win your case. Now, absolutely nothing can be further from the truth. What do judges do, what do juries do when you have a version of events and that version of events is contradicted by someone else? Generally, a supervisor, a manager, so on and so forth. What happens in those cases? So there's a related question, kind of like a cousin of that question, which goes something like this I heard testimony from someone. Uh, that person sounded very sincere. Uh, is that sincerity enough to make somebody legally credible? I mean, wouldn't it make sense that if uh, whatever the case was, uh, traffic accident, a witness says, hey, I saw that the light really was red and the other guy went through it and he rammed his car. And yes, that poor kid now has a broken arm and herniated discs, this is so terrible. Like, isn't that enough to believe that that's what happened? So there are a number of factors that judges and juries use in order to determine credibility. Uh, And I want to go through a number of those uh, with you um, on this podcast. The first one is uh, a witness's opportunity and capacity to observe the event in question. What does that mean? That means that if a witness cannot really contend, cannot really establish where the event happened, who was involved in the event, um, what the exact words were of the conversation, or very close to the exact words of the conversation. That's gonna tend to make that, that person not legally credible, even though you may find that the person was very sincere. Um, it's interesting because I talked to uh, a friend of mine who's a psychologist about, this, this very issue and psychotherapy is, is interesting because in psychotherapy what generally happens uh, patients who are midlife they come in they're depressed they start telling the therapist everything that happened when they were a kid and it's all the same story their parents were terrible mistreated them etc and uh, the uh, therapist the way therapy works is Most people embellish on these memories. um, The nature of trauma in general is that the mind will distort over years as to what's occurred. And that's why in psychotherapy, the therapist doesn't necessarily care about what the actual facts are. It's very, very different from a jury trial. Okay, Their jurors want to know, hey, you say there was a conversation while you were lying down having been attacked by dogs. I want to know, how well do you remember what was said in that conversation? And if your supervisor did say, yeah, go get her, she deserved it. And if that's your claim and you can't really recall it that well, we don't find you legally credible right psychotherapy we don't care about whatever happened we just care about how the mind remembered that so that is a that is a critical distinction in that you can find people compelling you can find people sincere you can find that they believe events happened a certain way that that they say happened without it actually Without them having proven to you that it did happen that way, that's that's number one. Okay. Second one I want to I want to get to um, is obviously any sort of contradiction, either by a document, by if if a plaintiff let's say reported an incident. Um, of a hostile work environment, if a plaintiff, let's say, had written that it was coworker A at the time that had uh, uh, really intimidated her and scared her, and so on and so forth, and now uh, a year later at deposition, she says it wasn't co- coworker A; it was coworker B that did that. Uh, that's going to have some problems in terms of of legal credibility Um, now all of these also apply to witnesses they apply to defense parties they apply to managers same idea if a manager had testified something at a deposition that is different than what the manager contended in a written statement a year earlier I'm gonna pick up on that at depositions. We do it all the time, and that a lot of times helps break these, it's my word versus your word. It's not necessarily true, my word versus your word, because each of you has probably reported the incident in some way at some point prior to a deposition or a jury trial. And a lot of litigation boils down to, Where was this thing reported? I remember in my very early years of practicing law in New York, uh, this was back in the 90s, and I had worked at a big building on 42nd Street, and uh, down the hall was this personal injury kind of boutique practice. It involved, uh, I, I don't even recall the guy's name, very, very nice people. Someone and his son, they were probably, you know, the son was like maybe 45. The father was like 75. And I used to talk to them and just to, I was new at this and so on. And I would talk to them about some of the cases I was working on. And the 75-year-old lawyer, he, he would always ask me every single time, Get every version of where this thing was reported. And you learn stuff like, hey, if there's a police report and it says AOB, that means alcohol on breath, all right? And if you're representing the driver who's claiming personal injuries and the police officer wrote AOB on your guy, all right? that That's not my word versus his, okay? That's a document versus... Your guy, that's a document created in the um, stream of business. Every police uh, officer who arrives at a, at a car accident of any sort of um, injury has to fill, uh, has to complete a police report in the ordinary course of business. Your guy is going to lose. So it, it, it's where was this thing reported? Where was each of the witnesses' stories reported? And where should it have been reported? I, I, I once had a case a number of years back. The uh, plaintiff contends or contended that the company had promised him 1% of uh, uh, commission on any sale that it made. So the defense lawyer pointed out, well, we looked at corporate uh, minutes of meetings, we looked at sales and expense forecasts over the years, and you know what? We never saw any allocation in any of these budget meetings or financial documents that the company at any time was going to set aside 1% of uh, commission on gross sales to this guy, even though he had helped start the company. All right. Now, that case went to trial. That case beat summary judgment. Uh, the the uh, Fourth Circuit re, uh, had reversed the uh, initial summary judgment decision by the, by the judge. And at the end of the day, went to trial uh, I was not the lawyer representing the guy at trial as I had, you know, whatever happened over there. But that case did not win. And it, it's it's an interesting thing that uh, it's one of these things that, uh, e- e- again, where would the thing have been reported? Right, here's another one. There are many factors, but just three or four that I want to touch on today. The inherit. Improbability probability of a witness's versions of events. Okay, imagine this. Somebody is sitting there and that person is testifying and there are tears that are rolling down that person's uh, eyes and there are, uh, there are witnesses he has that are verifying this story. They're all saying the same thing. I couldn't have been at a certain place at a certain time I absolutely couldn't have been because I was in a spaceship on the moon on the day this occurred. Okay. Well, but he looks so sincere and he's got witnesses and he's got documents. Why is this uh, not credible? Well it's not credible because if he was going to be on the moon, you, you would know about it. All right. And you never heard who this guy was. He's not an astronaut. He didn't go to the moon. It didn't happen. Right. Now, a lot of testimony is like that. Uh, a, a lot of testimony is like that. And, and what irks me, with, with, with people who know me well, what irks me is that some of these administrative judges kind of ignore that on these, uh, uh, on these uh, opinions they write. I mean, I, I once had a trial where one of the people had said that, uh, oh yes, yes, the head of the agency used the N-word all the time. I mean, really? I mean, does that sound that does that sound probable? That this, the head of the agency used the N-word all the time, nobody ever reported it, nobody ever took offense to it, all right? Um, that this sort of thing just went on for decades, or, or I don't know necessarily decades, but it went on for years, until a trial came, and wow, when the trial came in front of this AJ and that agency witness made that claim, then wow, you know, now I believe that claim. I mean, it, it's, it's, so that that's really the, the, those are some of the absolute critical things that people should be aware of in terms of my word against somebody else's. The demeanor, which basically a lot of people rely on, which is just, didn't have shifty eyes. Um, look straightforward. Look like, I mean, first of all, they, they train people now how to beat lie detectors, how to look credible, how to say things at job interviews that probably aren't factually 100% accurate and look like you, you're really sincere and credible. That really is the lowest. I mean, it should be the lowest factor of everything else. Um, So if your case is one of these cases that is dependent on a he said, she said, uh, don't immediately write that off. Give us a call.